So I'm going to start my intro real quick. So Daniel chapter 1. I'm not going to use any verses here. So basically what we had happen in uh, Daniel chapter 1 was that the children of Israel uh, was taken captive to Babylon. And the king of Babylon, uh, Daniel 1-2 tells us, by the uh, God gave him the kingdom of uh, Judah, which of Jehoiakim. He uh, gave him into his hand. So uh, Nebuchadnezzar takes them, uh, takes some of the people uh, captive into captivity in the Babylon. And he also takes some of the vessels and he puts them in his god uh, Shinar's house. And the king also told the men to take of the king's seed and of the princes and of the smart and gifted children to learn the Chaldean language. And so Daniel was one of the smart and gifted children, so he goes off to Babylon. And so now I'm going to jump real quick to Daniel chapter 5. And so now we have, uh, after Nebuchadnezzar uh, gives up the king, now we have uh, Belshazzar, who, so he takes the throne. And so in Daniel 5, they talk about how he drinks of the golden vessels, and they get drunk, and they were worshiping, idol worshiping during all that stuff, and then the uh, hand of the Lord writes on the wall, tells them what's going to happen to them, and then Daniel has to interpret and tells them that uh, basically the kingdom's going to fall, and this is the end of the Babylonian kingdom, and they're going to be taken into the hand of the uh, Persians, of the Persians and and the Medes. And so one thing is, so right here, so Belashar right there, um, he, he first he put idols ahead of God. While he many times seen God actually work, because with Nebuchadnezzar, he got turned into basically a weird beast because he was too prideful, and Belashar made the same mistake, and he was just as prideful as him. And he started to think, just like Nebuchadnezzar did that, he obtained the kingdom. It wasn't God that gave it to him. And so all the stuff that he did that went against God led to the fall of the kingdom of Babylon. And I also believe, just like Belashar and Nebuchadnezzar, we start to think everything that God give, gave to us is that we got it ourselves. We did it all ourselves. It wasn't really... God that gave it to us. In reality, it was God that gave us it all to us. And so the Medes and the Persians take the kingdom. Darius the Median takes the kingdom, or he's basically the person that is set over the kingdom of, or Babylon area. And so this basically puts us in the Daniel 6. So I'm going to read Daniel 6, 1 through 14. That's where we're going to be tonight. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and 
princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the laws of the, of, the Med, of the Meds and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, and his chamber, chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answereth they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, which he, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So, Lord, help me tonight as I do this message, Lord. Uh, Fill me with your spirit to help me through this. Open open ears and open hearts, Lord, to what you have me to say tonight, and it should go out where it needs to go. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, basically, so Darius set up the leaders, or he set up basically how he wanted the kingdom to be, and he set 120 princes and three presidents, and so Daniel 6 tells us, basically 6.1 and 6.2 tells us that Daniel was basically the highest president there was, and he was the most preferred, and he was basically the highest rated of president in the kingdom. And he was like so much that Darius wanted to set him above the whole realm, and also the king. And so Daniel had a really excellent spirit because God put that in him. And God basically was with him and just kept blessing him and did a lot of great things with him. And God being with him brought the enemies. These enemies were very jealous of him. Basically, all the other presidents and princes that didn't like him wanted to find something against Daniel. And they couldn't find anything. (laughs) They found none occasion nor fault. (laughs) And these men basically wanted to get Daniel in trouble. And so the first challenge when basically people don't like us for no reason, basically, basically, because that's what happened to Daniel. And they basically just dislike us for what our beliefs are. Because that's one thing they're going about to go after. They're going to go after Daniel's beliefs just because of how he lives, because he worships the Lord. And so there's going to be people that basically hate us just because we publicly profess Christ as Lord and also, they're also going to hate us for no reason, just like these king, like these other uh, princes and presidents. Where they really had no reason to hate Daniel, they just didn't like him because he was higher ranked than him. And so, 
uh, it tells us that Daniel lived a righteous life. That is the first point here for me. Daniel lived a righteous life. You can tell because they said neither was there any error or fault found in him. So Daniel lived righteously to all these men's eyes. They could tell there was a different way in the way he lived. And they couldn't find anything. That's what it tells us. And it tells us that he was faithful too. He was faithful to basically everything that he was supposed to be. And we shall, and basically they tell, all these men basically that uh, conspired against him said they couldn't find anything against Daniel, except the only thing they could find was that he worshiped the Lord. He worshiped God. And so first, living righteously. So, so these people that basically came to seek and destroy him, so first, if you're living godly, it's, they're not going to be able to find anything. They're going to come after you just because you live godly. And according to the commandments, so we need to live according to the commandments as we're commanded in the Bible. Amen. And so if they find fault with us living against those commandments, they're going to destroy us. They're going to use those little things and just attack us and drill us with it and just destroy us with it. Because they could have went straight to Darius and said, so if he went back against Darius and was gossiping against him and saying all these bad things about him, he could have just said, oh yeah, we found Daniel saying all this stuff is bad about you and all this stuff, and they would have got him pretty much killed. Yeah, because they don't really like it when they get talked bad about and how they want to be destroyed. And how if Daniel would have said, oh yeah, I'm so much better than Darius, they would have basically said, oh yeah, Daniel, you're not president no more. And so also, we also have another enemy, the devil. First Peter 5.8 tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So the devil is right there, going to be, if he finds a little fault, he's going to go right up, take advantage of it, and use it for destruction. And so, many times, the devil's also going to be using people to, to just try to destroy you, too. So that's why it's really important to live according to the Bible. They get, uh, try your best to live to the commandment, because then they're going to see how you live, and then they're not going to be able to find as many easy attacks on you against your testimony. And so Daniel, another thing was, he was surrounded by sin in Babylon. There was, Babylon is considered one of the most wicked cities in the Old Testament. And so basically, he was surrounded by a whole area of sin. And he was able to live righteously. And he was able to live according, the best he could according to the commandments. And a lot of people say, this society is becoming just like that now too where we're becoming as wicked as Babylon. So people can't say, oh yeah, I can't live by it because it just surrounds me. Daniel was able to do it. And he was probably in one of the most wicked cities. And Daniel was surrounded by many idols because that's one thing Babylon was pretty famous for was a lot of idol worshiping. And so an idol is anything that you put ahead of God and anything that you say is a bigger deal, you put more affection towards. And Daniel didn't have that idol, as you see, because they said the only occasion they found against him was that against his God. So we know Daniel was faithful to the Lord. And it also tells us on the uh, verse before that he was faithful in his life. 
And Daniel wasn't a gossiping talker or talking bad about the king like or leaders that was above him, like I said earlier. He wasn't talking behind their backs because he would have gotten in trouble for that. And one thing is we need to pray for our leaders too because if Daniel would have talked bad about him, he would have been punished. And so we basically need to pray for our leaders instead of talking bad about them all the time because they may not live the most godly. They just need prayer because God can change that sometimes. Look what he did to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a very wicked king, and God, God decided that he was going to humble him and showed him little examples of God many times. Then he humbled him, and then he realized, oh yeah, there is the true God. I know who it is now. And James 4.13 describes gossip. Speak not evil of another brother. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth of his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. It can be very easy to talk about our leaders, especially in this society where there's a lot of news medias and outlets basically encourage it. And they make their whole show and basically all their money on talking bad about political leaders. Yeah. And it can be very easy to do because we're basically encouraged about it by these medias. But... It's also possible to not do it. And so basically, one thing is, hearing all that tempts us to do it, and basically tempts us to speak evil of them, either the news station or the politicians. Because also sometimes we may not like the news station we're listening to, it may cause us to talk bad about them. And so next we get the Daniel's quote-unquote fault. It really was a strength. That's what we're going to find out how he believed in God and made supplication and prayed to the Lord. So, Daniel basically, as he did aforetime, tells us in Daniel 10. So he was already doing this before, and this is what they saw him doing. They saw him with his windows. He went into his house, and his windows being open, in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And so one thing is, we know that his knees were point, pointed towards Jerusalem. So he was obviously most likely praying for Jerusalem at that time. Because Daniel 9, I believe, talks about his prayer, or yeah, some of his prayers that he had, and he was pointed towards Jerusalem, and he was asking for forgiveness of what they did while they were at, uh, while they were in, when they were actually in Jerusalem before they got taken captive. He was seen asking forgiveness for it. And then, so then these men decide that they're going to go to the king and lie because basically they go, in verse 6, we see what they're saying. King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes. There, wasn't, there was one president who would have never ever approved of that. And they, we know who it is. It's Daniel. He wasn't going to approve of it, of it at all. He would have said, no, this is not a decree I support at all. But all these people go and tell the king, that all these people, all 120, want this law passed. They want this decree passed that restricts so people can only make a decree to the king himself. And so we got that lie right there where they basically go up and lie to Darius. And then we notice after this, so King Darius let his pride get the best of him. 
because it helped him up that everyone would have to come to him instead of everyone else. And so the pride got the best of him, and he decides to sign the decree. And Daniel 10, so Daniel 6.10, Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And so the punishment for this law would be going into the lion's den. That's the punishment. And note here, another big point. Daniel's unchanging behavior. He was writing. He was willing to give his life to serve the Lord. These lions, maybe God wouldn't have delivered him from the lions. We know he does. 22 tells us that. 24, uh, yeah. 22 through 24 is going to tell us that. That he gets delivered from the lions. And he was willing to give up his life for God, for his service towards the Lord. And Hebrews 13, 6 tells us the same thing, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, but I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So right there is telling us, we should not be in fear of what man does to us, because eventually um, this freedom of religion in America will be attacked. And we're going to lose it, and they're going to want to kill us. Simply that way. And take no fear in it. And so, Daniel, don't fear death. Daniel didn't. Philippians 1.21 tells us, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He still walked through all this, even when he was attacked and told, basically, stop believing in your God. He still walked with God. Through all the fear he could have been through. He decided that he was going to go three times a day, just like he did before, and make prayer. And he gave thanks, he made supplication, and he also made confession too. And then when it happens, pray to God about it. And remember to give him thanks also. And then another thing is, he was also on his knees, pointed towards Jerusalem. means that he was in some really serious prayer at that time. And he kept his doors open of his room so everyone could see it. So he still kept his public profession of faith, even when it was discouraged to not keep it public at all and keep it private. And he let everyone see that he still believed in God, that he was not going to be discouraged when one thing told him not to. And another, another thing is Daniel, instead of keeping his open profession of faith, he could have kept it closed and closed the doors of his room so nobody could quote-unquote see it. If he would have closed his chambers, he might have not got caught. But most likely, these men were after him. So probably what they would have done is waited for him to close his chambers, tracked it every single day, opened the doors, and caught him right there. And so basically, it wouldn't have been worth trying to hide it if Daniel would have, because he probably would have most likely got caught. And... So, when the world tells us we can't keep a public profession of the faith, don't listen. Don't try to hide it because it's not going to be worth it at all. Daniel could have also just stopped making prayer, which wouldn't have helped him anyway. Because with God, there's nothing, there's nothing worth. There's nothing more valuable than God. And another thing is, it is sin to hide God and not tell people about the change he's made in our lives. When we accept you, Christ is our Lord and Savior of our sins. Because we believe that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day. 
So if we don't tell people about it, and if we don't keep it even just, even if we don't keep it open, an open profession of faith, then that's it. And 1 Peter 4.16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So we are supposed to take, we are supposed to glorify God on that he gave us the opportunity if people persecute us for believing in God. And don't let it shame you down. Don't let it discourage you. Just like Daniel, he didn't let it discourage him. He still, guess what? He was still worshiping the Lord. So that means he wasn't discouraged at all. He might have been a little weaker than normal, but he wasn't discouraged. And guess what? When we receive that persecution from people who don't want to hear what we have to say about God, praise God about it. Because guess what? That means our light has shined and it offended this world, which is what we ought to be doing. Because this world doesn't like the light of the world. This world likes the darkness. And so Daniel 11 through 13, so he gets caught and he's going to, the, going to be sent to the lion's den. And Daniel 6.22, when it says, My God have sent his angel and have shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me, forasmuch as before him innocency was found in me, and also before the king have I done no hurt. So we see that God delivered him from the lion's den. Just a little spoiler right there. And <laughs> so now, in conclusion, so basically the way society is heading, we're most likely going to be facing public persecution, one the, probably one to three generations down the road, if not sooner, from the government. The government's probably going to be making some laws soon that's going to say, oh yeah, you can't do this, you can't do certain things, because we started to see it happen in California already, yeah. where they basically didn't let people... They put a size limit on how many people could be in a church. And they basically also restricted certain things, probably like seeing stuff like that for the spread of COVID. And, yeah. And also, many leaders and political leaders are going to fall for that prideful trap, just like Darius did. Darius fell for the trap. Guess what? I'm in supreme control. I can take all the decrees. That's what trap he fell for. And many political leaders will fall for that trap, too thinking they have the power to solve the people's problems when they have no power at all and it's all God's power. And society doesn't want to hear about the good news. They don't, they, well, society doesn't want to hear about, oh yeah, there's judgment and Christ, guess what? We're all guilty of sin and we all have this shame because we all sinned against God. But they don't want to hear that part. They just want to hear about how Jesus loves even the sin. And how we don't have to, basically, we can still live in sin, and it's okay. They don't want to hear about we have to change our lives and start living righteously according to the Bible. They don't want to hear that no more. So society's starting to get tired of hearing that, so they started to change the idea of Jesus and what he stands for. And they started to turn him into a no offense. So they took away the judgment. And so basically, if you take away the judgment, you're not going to need mercy and grace anymore. So... Basically, they just took the whole idea of salvation out of it. And another thing is, like, in the public schools, they like to teach this idea of relative truth. No such thing as an absolute truth, which is 100% wrong. So relative truth is basically this idea, if you don't know what it is, relative truth is basically this idea that says that there's no true truth. 
So there's nothing possible that's actually true. Everything is just quote-unquote true in someone's eyes. And basically, the Bible already tells us this, because in Judges, it says every man did what was right in his own eyes. That is the definition of relative truth right there. So basically, man doing what he sees right in his own eyes is how man, that's the man idea of relative truth. But there's actually an absolute truth. There is one absolute truth, and they're all going to realize it, either if it, not, if it be on this earth or if it be once they die. They're going to realize that Christ is real. Amen. And they're going to realize it, and they're going to die for it. Amen. If they didn't accept it, they're going to go to hell. If they didn't see it, but they're going to see it all later. And so, Daniel, through all this, through all this stuff that he had to see, all the idolatry, all the wickedness that he's seen, he still was steadfast and strong in his relationship with God. Just like we need to be steadfast and strong with our relationship with God. Living righteously according to the word of God. Strengthen yourself in God and make God your strength. Don't let anything else be your strength because it's going to let you down. Only God can be your true strength. And so I also believe the next generation or soon, it's going to happen where Christians are going to face persecution and potentially government persecution. Especially if the schools are representative of what the government's going to become, where they're basically, they've taken God almost all the way out of the schools. That could be very well what happens, and they start to exclude and start to say that one idea is right and not any other. Because basically, if... If they were actually teaching the relative truth idea, wouldn't they be teaching that there's creation by a God and evolution? But they only teach one of them. They only teach evolution. So their relative truth idea is all flawed. It's really just them saying, oh yeah, we want to teach what we see is right in our eyes. Not what is potentially accepted. Or in a relative truth theory. But So basically they want to live in their own absolute truth theory while basically calling it relative truth, even though if you disagree with them, it's not relative truth. They're going to say, oh yeah, you're wrong. And so them that teach judgment and say repent from that judgment because of it, guess what? Those are going to be the ones that get uh, persecuted for it. Persecuted for believing in God. Because if they teach that there's judgment and then we need to repent because of the grace, Because of the grace of God, because he was a sacrifice for us when we didn't deserve it at all. And we need to keep having faith in that and keep believing on that. Because they're going to keep going after every little thing and just start changing this idea, every little thing. Just like they started to do where there's this idea of no or God is okay with sin. Which the Bible doesn't tell us that. The Bible says God hates sin. They're going to start to say that. And it's getting closer and closer into the church where this idea of sinful, sinful ideas are starting to get into the church and break, and basically uh, change what the church is for. The church is to grow Christians in Christ and lead unbelievers to Christ too. Right. That's the two goals of the church. And because the reason why we gather is to strengthen each other and encourage one another in Christ, then grow our relationships and also bring people in and lead them to the Lord. Amen. And Christians, if they stand on this doctrine of God, 
if they stand on the Bible and believe it, they're going to be attacked down the road. And laws will attempt to prevent their public profession. But I say stand fast, don't give it up. Keep the public profession, even if it does mean that you're going to die for it. It's worth it. Because it says to die is gain. That's what flip, the verse I read earlier, Philippians says. And so, just like Daniel, be unafraid of the consequences. And keep a public profession of what Christ has done for you. Keep that profession. Don't give it up. And through all this, don't forget to give God glory and praise for it. And so make, also one thing is, make time to pray if you don't. You're going to need prayer. And so we see one way Daniel did prayer was he would start with confession, he would praise the Lord, and he would make supplication. That was Daniel's three big things for prayer. If you, because Daniel 9, I believe, tells us, yeah, is his prayer that he makes about Jerusalem. He first He's going to ask, and I set my face unto the Lord, God, to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord, my God, and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. So, and that's Dan, That's right. First, right when he goes to prayer, the first thing he did was ask for confession for what the people of Jerusalem did. And also, another thing is that, so if you realize Daniel, so Daniel had the freedom of religion at first before they decided to attack it. So the definition of freedom of religion is the right to choose what religion to follow and to worship without interference. That is the quote-unquote definition of freedom of religion. So Daniel had it from his, basically, his early beliefs where they originally let him eat palsy instead of eating of the king's meat, which would have went against the Jewish law. And they let Daniel do that, and they said it was a better diet way. So... It was a benefit for him. So at first, they didn't attack his uh, beliefs and expression in God. And so Daniel had this right to publicly express, just like we do. And Daniel had it attacked, and he stood strong. And so one thing is, in this country, we started to take this freedom of religion for granted. And... Many things have came out of the church that was never supposed to be in the church. And so eventually God will uh, take away this right and say that you're going to be tested and you're going to have to live. (laughs) You're going to have to live according to my word and you're going to have to preach the true Bible and you're going to have to live unafraid and believe in him that he will deliver you even if it be in death, you're still delivered. Because if you believe in Christ, you're going to heaven. So you're automatically, you're delivered both ways. Even if you get delivered physically from what's going to happen, physical persecution, or even mental persecution, 
eventually you'll all be you'll be all free from it. Because I do believe we have not just from the government. So if we have government persecution, then we also have people persecution from people that don't want to accept Christ. We have that happen also. Even even now, we have that happen. And many people that take it stand strong, just like what Daniel did when he was attacked. He stood strong. And that's my closing point for tonight. Daniel stood strong when everything went against him. He stood to the faith. You know, I thought about uh, as Bob was preaching there in verse 4, he pointed out it said that he was faithful. And you know, if you go all the way back to Daniel 1.8, when he first was brought into captivity, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, you know, with the king's meat. He, he said, I'm going to live differently. That was the beginning when he was a young man. Now he's the top, you know, he's the top president, like you were saying, and he's still faithful to God. He's still living righteously. Then in verse 10, persecution, he's still steadfast. And you go all the way to verse 28 of chapter 6, Daniel prospered in the reign of two of those kings. And I thought about that. God blessed his entire life. Why? Because he was faithful, no matter what happened. And I thought, what a promise. What Good job, Bob. I, I really enjoyed that. So we're going to open up the altar tonight. Uh, if you need to pray, I'm going to ask you to come on up. Uh, or you want to pray at your seat. But uh, maybe ask yourself tonight, are you are you being steadfast to God? Or, or just when it's easier? Or just when there's not uh, any resistance? Because like, like Bob was saying, it could be the government. It could be family or peer pressure or people at the job or school or anything else. Uh, but uh, we've got to stand strong no matter what. Uh, so if you need to pray tonight, go ahead. Thank you.